Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Megan Gilker, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Welcome, friends. Oh, man, it's like getting back into this routine, you know? (laughs) Um, I am so excited about just talking about all the things we are going to talk about this season and into the growing season. I always feel like, since this is my job, it is like... And I love it so deeply that I need to get so much information into you and be as helpful as possible. So I'm always like, maybe we need to do more. What if we're not doing enough? Like, that's me. I am somebody who loves teaching you, who loves getting you the information that you need. And that's why I am just beyond like just... I am working so hard right now (laughs) to get this e-course done for you guys. And if you haven't heard, I have created an e-course. I have an e-book that is all about how to begin a garden, but from like, from like top to bottom, like from like, basically here's a design. Here's what you should do as a beginner. It's a very straightforward guide to get people into the garden this course though, this is the e-course where I take you through. Like if you've ever been planning your garden, you're looking through the seed catalogs and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to plant everything. And I am so excited right now, but I am also overwhelmed. And then you start Googling things and then you're even more overwhelmed. And then potentially you're even debilitated. My goal is to like, just take all of that information, clear away the unnecessary and make it super clear how to plan your garden, what you need to think about, what you don't need to think about and everything in between. I 
basically designed this so I could guide you through the processes if, and you can see how I actually plan gardens. And in fact, showing you three different types of gardens, how to use companion plants in your planning, how do you think about perennials, you name it, it is in there. And I talk about it and I make it simple and approachable for you. So I have been just working so hard and handling all the kid things in my life. And I am just very excited to get this in your hands. And I told myself I couldn't really plan my garden until I helped you plan yours. <laughs> so um, I really want to get it done for multiple reasons, <laughs> but I am very excited about it because I felt for so long, like when I was getting really into back into this learning and understanding, I would Google something random, like how does amaranth grow or, you know, why or what to plant with this or whatever. There was just so many answers. And I was like, this is crazy. So I didn't want you guys to feel that. I feel like there's a lot of people who start and then they feel overwhelmed and they just don't know where to go. And my hope is, is that when you listen to this, you purchase it, you use it, you get the 23 pages of a handbook full of every possible resource you can imagine to make planning easy and straightforward and just even create not just your design, but a schedule of like, this is, I need to be planting my sugar snaps right now at the end of March because the temperature is right. And this is the exact soil temp they need. And I need to trust that it's all in there. Like I have pulled it all together. And if you're in the community, you're already seeing bits and pieces of this. And you're also getting three specific communal events where we're planning our gardens together. So we already had our, our first event last week and it was so much fun. We had like, I think it was 24 people and we all talked about planning our gardens and challenges that we had. And this topic today about how to determine your garden size properly and how big of a garden or how small you should do, that is one of the many things that we covered in that event. And it's also part of one of the first modules in the e-course. So I'm going to give you a high level of it today. And if you're interested in the e-course and you're like, I want to know about it, I want to be the first person, great news. You can sign up for the email newsletter and that is in the show notes below, or you can find it on our website and you can get started and just not get started on the course, but get started knowing you'll be one of the first people to know once it is live, I promise. So there's a lot of moving pieces and yeah, I just think you guys are going to find this to be one of the best, most helpful things in terms of planning. Because like I said last week, planning your garden is like creating the architecture for a house. It is like creating the framework of a house, the foundation. Your design matters. And so it will set the course of how easy and simple the rest of the season will be. And I even help you think through like, what are some possible problems I might have and how can I offset them? So that's also in module one, which you will love. So we're going to get going today so that you guys can get a little glimpse. And I'm going to give you a few of these and they're high level. We go much deeper in the e-course, but this one is one of my favorites because we give a lot of great tips that I don't think some people think about. 
So I hope it's helpful for you today. And next week we'll go through another piece and hopefully the e-course will be launched so you can start digging in and diving even deeper into this because it is planning season as our meditation we'll talk about on Friday. But let's get started. If we're going to talk specifically about garden size. And I know this sounds a little odd, but your garden size is super important for a lot of reasons. Your garden size determines all like what is possible for you to plant. Um, if you don't know how much space you have, how would you know how many seeds to buy, how many starts to buy, what to order, what, how much soil you need, how much compost you need, how big are your raised beds? Like there's all these things that understanding your garden size is extremely helpful with. And I feel like a lot of people just start sketching things out and they don't think clearly about garden size. I know I used to. And then when I got into the actual, like, I'm going to put this all out there sort of phase in, at, in May, I was like, oh, I underestimated this or I overestimated this. So not that you have to understand the exact size necessarily, though that's extremely helpful. What you need to know is the just basically <laughs> what you can actually do, you know, and actually think about. And I talk about this in the course, but I talk about how the there's like importance in thinking about a five-year plan with your garden and not just thinking of it as like, oh, each year, but thinking about like, how can I continue the expansion of this and expansion meaning like what I mean is that you need to start in the very beginning as thinking, okay, the small, smaller is more successful. And so we're going to talk about how to determine some of that. So, um, we're going to start going into that. So first of all, one of the questions that I ask of our e-course takers and I asked of our community members already last week or the week before, um, was the first thing to determine is the amount of room that you actually have available to you. And what I mean is that, you know, if you have a backyard and you're like, we're going to grow a garden, in our backyard, the space that you have for your backyard is obviously the space that you have available to you. That does not mean you have to use it all. What it means though, is you have to be realistic within that space. So if you only have space for, four, four by eight beds or whatever, that is really important to understand because then when you're thinking about a five-year plan, how will you expand beyond that? Or will you? And will you think about going into your front yard? Also an option, but there's all these things. Also, you know, if you're somebody who has a rooftop garden and you only are given one raised bed at your apartment complex, that may be all you have. And that's okay too. So you can start thinking about how can I optimize this space the best that I possibly can. This is where you begin. And I know it sounds weird to just like start in that capacity, but I know for me, this was big because when we moved, I never planned a garden on an expansive amount of land where anything's possible. You know, sometimes it's really nice. And in some ways, I'm jealous of people who have a contained space. For us, there was so much space. It was like, what is the best? And in the e-course, I talk about all the different site selection things. And that's particularly great for people who have a lot of space. 
obviously if you have a tinier space, your options are much more limited. And so in that part of the course, I also talk about how to think through some of those problems and problem solve, or know that you might have some issues there and like what to do about it. But in determining your garden size and thinking about the amount of space and room available to you already, it is really great to just be like, okay, look, I got a backyard. I'm going to measure it out. And I know that I don't, because Megan told me this, that I don't want any raised beds or any in-ground beds that are wider than four feet because then I would have to step into them and I don't want to do that. So I know I have to do at least four feet and probably put a foot and a half to two feet between each bed. I could do larger or I could do smaller. It starts to give you, you can start seeing how these things become a, like you get these limitations and these guidelines to kind of begin the design process, right? So the next thing to think about is your family size. Maybe it's just you. Maybe it's you and your partner. Maybe it's you, your partner, and a parent. Maybe it's um, you and three kids and your partner. All sorts of options, right? How do you accommodate for that? So one of the things to think about, first of all, I will say that I am not about self-sufficiency. You probably have heard me talk about it, but I am all about community sufficiency when we're talking about gardens. There's so much conversation in the homesteading world that is about self-sufficiency. And I think it's great. I think it's awesome to think about that. There are a lot of rule settings where that's necessary, but for most of us in modern society, and for most people that are getting into gardening, the idea that you're going to supply all of your food for yourself It's a little overwhelming. It is to me. And I have space to run a homestead that would be self-sufficient. But I love my farmers and my friends that grow food on farms so much that I would also rather buy from them and then share some of the things that I grow. So I'm all about that. So when I'm talking about family size, I'm kind of talking about take a gauge on that because this is going to help you in particularly in our in this e-course, I talk about how much you actually need to plant per person in your home. And you can take that for self-sufficiency if you want, but I use it in the sense that, okay, I want to grow zucchini. Well, how many zucchini plants do I grow? I have four people in my house. How much do my pe- do these people actually eat? Okay. They eat probably, you know, 10 zucchini we'll just say. And then I'll probably freeze another 10. So I think two plants would probably do max three. So it it gets you out of this space where you're the person on the block that overplanted zucchini and now you're giving them away and trying to hide them into your neighbor's mailboxes because you can't take any more. So that's why you need to understand your family size. Now, if you want to be that person, that's completely okay too. But I'm telling you that you can avoid being that person if you don't want to be. So, and plants other things like cosmos or zinnias instead, or other companion plants that are really awesome for zucchini, like nasturtium. So, and they're beautiful and great in salads. They're peppery. So it's great to understand your family size as well when you're thinking about your garden size. Now, the next thing, these next few things are of the utmost importance importance to me is the amount of time that you have. So you are a modern human who 
feels the pull of peak capitalism on your life. Life is expensive. You have to work. So your time is limited to spend in nature, which is a shame because it probably should be the opposite. But that's a conversation for a different day. Instead, you can think about, okay, I know that I really would like to know that in on my weekends with my family or my partner, that we could spend two to three hours a week gardening, harvesting, tending to things. Maybe there's a little more work in the beginning and spring when we're like, you know, just kind of getting used to being outside, life's a little slow, whatever it might be. Understanding the amount of time that you want to put in is really important. This also will tell you, okay, maybe I'm not a person who needs to be seed starting. You know, it sounds fun. That's great for you, but it may not be for yourself. And that's completely okay because there's many places that we can get starts and plants and still plan what we want and not have to buy a bunch of seeds and wonder what am I doing with these? So you can also make those decisions if you understand the constraints on your life and what you want and what you're willing to make space for. So, and it also leads you to a place where it's like, okay, I only have those two to three hours in a week max, you know? So what can I do? And I would say most people to raised beds that are four by eight with some pots of herbs and maybe some flower beds that you enjoy that make you, that bring you joy in some way. And I think that that is the most ideal garden size. And that's why in our beginner garden ebook, I specifically designed that sort of layout was two four by eight raised beds because they're super easy to maintain, to care for, to manage. So that's what I suggest to most people. And you can make those, you can also do like, you know, you could do trough, like metal troughs on your porch or something that you grow things in. And there's, there's a lot of options for people who don't have a lot of time. So I don't want you to feel like if you say, Megan, I really don't want to spend a lot of time out in my garden, but I really want to have a garden. How do I do this? Don't feel bad about that. That, that is very realistic. And I would much rather you be really honest about the time that you need to put in or that you can put in than to say to yourself, well, you know, I work a full-time job. I'm a parent. I also have to take care of my parents sometimes or, you know, support my best friend or whatever it might be. And I feel like, but I still feel like I could definitely take on 10 to 12 hours a week of gardening, probably an acre plot. I think that sounds doable. I'm going to tell you right now that won't be fun. And I don't want you to ever feel like gardening isn't fun. I'd rather you do too small and learn your that it is too small than to do too much and overexert yourself and not have any fun and find it to be a burden. So starts, that's basically what I'm going to say next, but it starts small. So the next thing is you want to consider your level of experience. So your experience may be something that you don't gauge super well. Like if I were to be asked, it sounds crazy, but I would probably be like, you know, I'm an infinite beginner. It just, you know, I'm always learning. But then if I went to Mike or my mom and I said, what kind of gardening level do you feel like I'm at? They'd probably be like, Megan, you're at least intermediate, if not closing in on like that next level of like mature, advanced gardener, not going to put expert by any means. But I think that that is such a clear, helpful thing 
because we're always going to say that we're way less than we actually are. It's just a natural thing, I think. So if you aren't sure, ask somebody who knows you really well, whether it's a friend, a partner, whatever it might be, somebody in your community garden. And then from there, you can really analyze, like, what should I think about? You know, if you have been a beginner gardener for the past like six years and you're like, you know what? This is the year I am going to seed start. I think that is my thing. Awesome. Like, but I will tell you, you're going to be really, really successful at it because you have some understanding of soil. You have some understanding of how to plant seeds, what seeds need, how to water them. You have some understanding of how things function. You're still probably going to mess up. I still mess up every year, but it's going to be in a way that's knowledgeable mess ups. And that's what we're looking for here. So, but if this is your first year growing a garden and you're also busy, don't seed start. Don't even think about it. Don't even like, <laughs> don't even buy the trays. Buy some direct seeds like your sugar snaps and your lettuces and carrots and things that will go in the ground as direct, but you don't want to think about seed starting. Go to your local farm, go to the farmer's market, go to a nursery, whatever it might be. Just go buy your starts instead because you're going to be a lot happier and less stressed and you're going to enjoy it a lot more. So I think it's really important to gauge that when we're thinking about garden size. And then, and like I said, start small, grow up. Okay. Because especially the more beginner you are, the smaller it should be. So if this really is one of your first years, don't do anything more than a four by eight bed, literally. And maybe some pots for a mint and some sage and basil and things like that. But don't go beyond that. I, I really, t I, I'm very serious about that. So, because I want you to feel successful and that will make you feel successful. So then finally, what do you actually plan to grow? So some of the plants that you may be thinking of or wanting to grow, they may not, either you're going to have to expand your garden size or they may not be right for your garden size. So one of the things is some people will tell me, oh, I want to plant corn awesome. Corn is a really fun thing to grow. It is a very fascinating thing to grow. And I think it's a really important thing to grow. The reason being is that we can understand our food system a little better about how corn works. And I think that's awesome. The problem is, is corn needs to be planted in large blocks. That's why we see it in huge fields. It doesn't need to be that huge of a field, but, and you can grow other things with it, but it still needs to be given a big amount of space. So if you have a raised bed, don't grow corn. Corn needs to be in the ground. It needs to be in a space that's at least, you know, 10 feet wide by, or like five feet wide by 20 feet long. Like you need space for this. And the reason being is that it's wind pollinated. So you need to be able to have large amounts of it condensed together. You can grow a three sisters bottle with beans and squash underneath, but I don't suggest doing your corn because you're just going to be disappointed. You won't have enough pollination. It won't produce like you want it to. Uh, there's lots of reasons, but corn's just one of many things. You, especially if you have like one raised bed and you're in an apartment or something, don't do corn. It's a waste of your space. You can do so much more with what you're doing. And 
because you can do a ton in a four by eight raised bed, but corn is not one of them. The other thing to not probably grow in a smaller space are things like pumpkins or large squashes and gourds and things like that. You can trellis those and grow them vertically, not pumpkins, maybe small ones, but not ones like you would get for Halloween or anything like that. So thinking about what you will grow is really important too, because, you know, if you had this passion of like, I want my kids to have pumpkins from a pumpkin patch that we grew, that's a, that's an awesome idea. So we got to accommodate that into the design and come up with a way to make that happen. If you have a backyard, you can probably do that. And so we just got to figure out the right way to do it. So there's lots of things that you can think about when you start figuring out, okay, that is what it is to have, to understand what I will grow. Like that's what it means. Okay. So now I got to figure that out. So that's what I can help you with, but we can go from there another day. All I to say, when we're thinking about garden size, the most important things, as I've said, are thinking about the amount of room you have available to you. So what is your, what is your space like? You know, rooftop raised bed. Do you only have one raised bed? Are you in a community garden? You know, are you in a backyard? What is it like for you? Then the next thing is your family or, you know, people that will be enjoying the garden. Who, who are these people? What do they consume? And how much do you plan to offset what is eaten with what you're growing? Then how much time do you really want to put into your garden? And whether it's, you know, an hour a week or 12 at minimum, you know, it, it's good to just be really realistic about that for yourself. And like I said, smaller is better to start. Even if it's like, I've been gardening for five years, but I just started a new job. Okay. Totally cool. You started a new job. Congratulations. I'm really excited for you. We just got to also understand that we're going through transition. So we probably should have a smaller garden this year because we don't know what to expect because we still want to enjoy our space. And I promise you can still eat a salad out of it, but we're probably going to need to think smaller really still awesome though, because you're going to feel success both in your job and in your garden, which is awesome. Then the next thing is level of experience, which we talked about. No shame in being a beginner. Not at all. Start there. I still love being a beginner every day when I start something new. What, and then finally, what will you grow? You know, what are you going to, what do you, what have you always dreamed of creating in your garden? Do you want a salad every day out of your garden? great news. If you have a four by eight raised bed, we can create something really beautiful for that. And with edible flowers and herbs and, and plenty of different types of lettuces that supply tons of great nutrients into your body. No worries. All that to say, garden size is an amazing place to begin when we're talking about planting our gardens. It is one of many moving parts, but it is one of the most important because it's going to dictate the next few things, like what are we going to grow? How are we going to use companion plants to maximize our yields and protect it from pests and build soil and all those things? And then how are we going to, do we need perennials? There's all these questions that just understanding our garden size can help us move into. 
So if you enjoyed this, like I said, the e-course is coming out very soon. And this module that what I just talked about is just one part of the first module. There is plenty of layers still, even just in that one module, there are over eight of them in this e-course and six plus hours of video content. So it is a lot of information to help you grow and design the best garden you've ever done. I promise you. So I really hope that you will check it out, that you will sign up for email newsletter. And if you enjoyed this podcast today and found it really helpful, you can always share with friends. You can subscribe. You can leave some reviews. All those things are super helpful in creating more of this awesome content. So until then, my friends, I will see you out there. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.